Amen. I, I want to I talk about the potential of your life for a few moments, and, and I'm going to talk about one of the tests that's in the, the proving ground, but uh, to, to live an abundant life, to live an extraordinary life uh, is given uh, to us in potential form by God. Um, in other words, when, when we ask God for a tree, he normally gives us a seed. Uh, it's the seed that turns into the tree. He doesn't normally give us a fully developed tree. He gives us the seed, and the kingdom of God uh, is it all started in a garden, right? So it's seed time, harvest, watch over the seed, uh, water the seed, take care of the seed. All of us have the potential to live an extraordinary life. Uh, and it is the development of our God-given potential that will make our lives extraordinary uh, and not just be stuck. Extraordinary living is not just handed to us on a silver platter. It's handed to us in the seed of potential. Everybody say potential. And so you have uh, an extraordinary purpose in life. You, you have a unique, singular purpose that God joins with other uh, believers and together we walk out purpose together, but there's only one you. Uh, God didn't have one of you. That's why he created you. And so your purpose in life is hidden in the potential of you li your life. And as you develop your potential, uh, you discover and you walk out purpose in life. Uh, I didn't, Suzette and I, uh, we didn't know how to start a church until we stepped into starting a church. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things that you learn how to do. Uh, you don't know how to do it, but you have a sense that it's something that's supposed to be a part of your life, and you step in. And there's some things about purpose in life that uh, we'll never discover until we've developed certain aspects of our potential. So it's up to all of us to continue constantly to keep growing, to keep learning, to keep changing, to keep adapting, to keep stretching. And to fulfill purpose in life uh, requires a lot of different dimensions. Uh, I couldn't name them all today, but I could tell you a couple. One would be it, it is your relationship with God is going to have a huge impact on your uh, purpose in life. Your relationship with people, because everything God calls us to do, he calls us to be joined to others to do it, right? Uh, to understand your unique gifting and develop your unique gifting uh, is a part of you becoming everything God's called you to be. Even, even a growing mastery of financial resources is important for your life because if you want to move things, you know, that's what finances do. They move things. They, they move chairs for us to sit in, right? They, they move buildings. <laughs> building supplies so that we can have buildings. They move food to Sand Hill School, clothing to Sand Hill School, presents to all of these kids who would not have Christmas outside of the generosity of our incredible church family. It's the 
to have resources to be able to move things in the right direction is so important for our life. And to, to, to have a growing mastery of how to handle time is so important. I wanna talk for a few moments about the test of time. We're talking about the proving ground, the different tests that we need to walk through and pass to move to the next level. And I wanna talk about the test of time for a few moments. Ephesians 5 verse 15 says this, therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So the Bible says to walk in wisdom and to understand that the days around us are evil, we need to learn, wisdom learns how to make the most of our time. So I wanna talk about how to win the test of time, how to make the most of your time. The first idea I wanna talk about is this, you gotta understand the value of time. Understand the value of time. If you, if you lose $100, you could get $100 back. But once time is gone, you can't get it back. And when you're young, you think you've got boatloads of time in front of you, but all of a sudden, one day, you're going to be like me, and you're going to stand there and go, wait a minute, <laughs> who is this guy looking back in the mirror? That is not who I think I am. Once time is spent, once time is gone, once time is wasted, Wasted, you can't get more back. And the Bible is telling us here in this passage to be careful uh, to assess our time, to evaluate our time, to look at in, in the original language, it's the idea of to look at with exactness. In other words, look at exactly how you are spending your time. It's something that it can get away from us. It's easy to fool ourselves with good intentions. So uh, if we say our relationship with God is the most important thing in our life, it can live in the land of intention, but eventually time needs to be spent on that relationship. If we say our family is important or our marriage is important, we could have the intention of that, but if we don't spend time on our family, on our marriage, on our friendships, then we, can, we could all of a sudden find ourselves in a place that we don't want to be. Uh, you know, whether, whether you have the intention of growing in or changing in your career, or maybe you have an intention of, of you know, getting a little healthier, uh, it all, we all have the intention to do these things, but until we actually spend time on them, they just remain intention only, and they live as undeveloped 
potential in our life. So the potential that would be realized in the purpose of God never gets realized because we're not spending time developing our potential. Everybody good? All, all of us are given different capacities in gifting. All of us are given different kinds of giftings. But no matter what the different, you know, strength or capacity or level of gifting or type of gifting you have, we, that's all different for all of us. But all of us are given exactly the same amount of time. Everybody has the same amount of time. So when, when somebody says, I don't have time, they're really just lying to themselves and potentially lying to you uh, to say you don't have time because we all have the same amount of time. If somebody else could find the time to pray, to come to First Wednesday prayer, if somebody else could find the time to spend with their family, certainly we could as well. Really, the truth is this. We need to be saying, this is how I've chosen to spend my time. And you can, you can either waste time or spend time. And how you spend your time literally sets the direction for your life. If you could look at the hours of a day as dollar bills, and if you were given $24 bills, and this is your day, what are you going to do with your $24 bills? What are you going to do with your 24 hours in the day. Where you're going to spend some of it on sleeping. You're going to spend some of it on eating. Uh, you're going to spend some of it on working. You're going to spend some of it on waiting for everybody else in your house to get ready so we can go. Uh, <laughs> we... We all, we, all have the, we all have the same 24 hours. How are we going to spend that 24 hours? It's 168 hours that make up a week, 730 hours that make up a month. It's 8,760 hours that make up a year. And the Bible says in this passage that we're looking at, Ephesians 5, make the most of your time. Buy up ransom rescue from loss because let's be honest time has a tendency to want to get away from us have you ever gotten to the end of a day and said I don't even know what I did today come on it says it says because the days are evil in other words it's easy to waste time it takes a choice to spend the time. Because the days are evil. Weeds grow without any cultivation. And the tendency for all of us is toward wasting time. Each one of us has the opportunity or the potential to make a choice 
how we're going to spend our time. And I realize some of us, our time is not all available that we can just choose to do everything. But you have enough hours in a day that you can spend some of your time on purpose. You can spend some of your time on your purpose. You can spend some of your time specifically on purpose. So if your relationship with God is important to you, which you wouldn't be in this room if it's not at some level, then this, if it's the spending of time on that relationship that develops that relationship. I know this isn't rocket science, but I, uh, I do think it's an important concept for us to understand. Uh, Jesus was having a conversation with Mary and Martha, and Martha was running around doing all kinds of stuff. Uh, Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to what he had to say. And uh, Luke 10, verse 41, the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. You know, that's like when your parents used your middle name, you were in trouble. If I got called Kirk Dennis Bowman, I was in trouble. Martha, Martha, you're worried and distracted by many things. But Jesus said this, only one thing is necessary. I hope that lodges into the way you would spend time. It's not that you need to spend all of your time sitting at the feet of Jesus, but you've got to spend some of your time sitting at the feet of Jesus, reading your Bible, praying, worshiping, meditating, looking over your notes from the message. Oh, you are taking notes, right? Um, <laughs> here we go. You're the man, Doug. But this, this sentence has struck me for, for decades now. Only one thing is necessary. There's a lot of important things without a doubt, but there's one thing that's necessary that I would sit at the feet of Jesus. I'll take one of those 24 hours that I've got to spend on this day and make sure I sit at the feet of Jesus for one, just spend one of those dollar bills, one of those hours hanging out with Jesus. One thing is necessary. Everybody say one thing. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. One thing. If your relationship with your spouse is important to you, then you gotta spend time investing into that relationship. You, you've got to spend time together. You've got to spend time doing things together. Amen. Your kids spell love, T-I-M-E. I know we're all thinking about what are we going to get our kids, our grandkids for Christmas, but can I tell you the time is the most valuable thing you can give to a child. Potentially, you have a dream. I hope you do. A vision 
for the future. And the question we should all ask ourselves, because we're trying to, we're talking about the value of time, how many of the last 730 hours of this past month have I spent on developing my potential, developing my dream? How many, how many of the last 8,760 hours have I spent in the last year developing? I've got a dream, I've got a vision, I've got a sense of potential. Is it possible that a whole year could go by and we have not spent an hour on our sense of purpose in life? Now, when I talk about understanding the value of time, I am not encouraging you to cram every minute full of something productive because I don't think that's a great way to live. But I'm just saying, if you've got 168 hours uh, in a week, you've you got to decide where a couple of those hours are going on purpose, right? Now, some of those hours are going to spend time with Jesus. Some of those hours are going to spend time with my wife. Some of those hours are going to spend time with my grandkids, if, I, if those things are important to me, where am I spending my time? And I'm not filling every minute with something, but I am making sure that a whole month hasn't gone by and I haven't spent any time on what's important to me. Everybody follow me on this? Amen. I'm talking about, I'm, I'm talking about winning the test of time because time wants to get away from you. It wants to get away from all of us. Number two is this idea. Establish the compass before you set the clock. Establish the compass before you set the clock. Before you can know how to spend your hours, you have to know how you want to spend your life. What do you want to do with your life? What do you feel like God wants you to do with your life? What, what do you want written on your tombstone? Hopefully that won't be soon, but what do you want written on your tombstone? Uh, I think at least one thing I would like uh, is, thank God my fight with the wireless printer is over. That would be a, that would be a good thing. No, I, I think... I would like to have on my tombstone, he loved God and helped other people fulfill their destiny. Well, that's where I want, that's where I've got to, that's the compass. Now I gotta set the, once you know life purpose, you can spend time on that purpose. And I, I've talked about this idea when it comes to time, but I think it's a, a, such a valuable idea. There's two different Greek words that get translated time. There's chronos, time, which is just the regular, everyday, chronological movement of time. And then there's the kairos time, which kairos time is defining moments that set the course for how I'm going to spend my chronos time. So kairos moments are those defining moments that, that give you like a burst of light. They give, an awakening comes, a revelation comes, a word comes, a window of opportunity presents itself. And, and when we have those Kairos moments, we got to capture those moments so we know how to spend our Kronos hours, 
right? So here's Moses, he's wandering around and all of a sudden there's a burning bush and it's calling out to him. That's a Kairos moment that defined the next season of his life. Paul is, you know, persecuting the church in the book of Acts. He's on the way on the road to Damascus. Light comes out of heaven, knocks him off his donkey, falls to the ground three days walking around blind, apparently having visions of what was going on in heaven. That was a Kairos moment that shifted everything for Paul and moved him into, here is now how you set the compass of your life. You used to live this way, but now you're going to live this way, right? Peter is, you know, he's, he's, he's up on a rooftop, lunch is getting uh, prepared, and he has this vision of this sheet and unclean animals, and three times, voice from heaven says, rise up, Peter, and eat, and it shifted the course of the New Testament church to begin to include Gentiles into the church. It was a Kairos moment that opened up a vision that opened up how do you spend your time now? A word that can come. Kairos moments are so, that's why I think being in church in worship settings is so important for us because there's just things that happen in those moments that cannot happen in any other moment. They just don't. And I appreciate what Elizabeth was telling us about people who watch online, and thank God we are able to offer that to people. But can I just tell you, there's nothing like being in the room and experiencing the presence of God and have God speak to you. And we should be coming to church with an idea, God, I'm, I'm ready for my Kairos moment. I'm ready for the light to come on. Just the light to come on one time could change the course of the rest of your life. Kairos moments are the light on the path that tell us how now in this season to spend our time. And I would, I would just say, figuring out how you want to spend your time now is a different thing than how you spent your time three years ago, right? So Kairos is the light on the path. Kronos is the walking out of the Kairos. Kairos moments arise out of well-spent Kronos moments. In other words, every morning when I get up, I don't, I, I, really most mornings, I've read my Bible in the morning just about every day for the decades now. I can promise you every morning I get up and go, oh, here we go again. But once I get started, I'm great. I'm, I'm ready to go. And it's out of well-spent, everybody say spent, well-spent chronos moments, well-spent those dollar bills, those hours of sitting at the feet of Jesus, that's when the dreams come. That's when the vision comes. That's when the word comes. Because when Peter, Peter was just going up to, to have a little prayer time while they were fixing lunch, he wasn't in pursuit of a vision. He was in pursuit of God. He was he was doing the one thing that was necessary and the lights came on and changed everything. 
The third idea that I want to give you about uh, how to win the test of time is you got to learn how to wait on the Lord's timing. Habakkuk 2 verse 3 says, the vision is yet for the appointed time. It hastens toward the goal. It will not fail, though it tarries. How many of you know vision loves to tarry? It Though it tarries, wait for it. It will certainly come. It will not delay. When you get a vision, that doesn't mean the next day you're going to see the fulfillment of it. Life, for things to have life, there's a, a, a process. You, you saw my daughter up here. There's something, there's a process that's going on right now. It's a little, little baby girl uh, that is being formed inside of her. Manufactured things are not living things. Life has to be birthed, which means you got to go through the nine-month pregnancy period. And it's often the same way in the development of God's purpose for our life that first there is the conception, the aha moment, the promise that comes. Then there is the spiritual pregnancy where you're carrying the vision, you're carrying the promise, you're carrying it within you. Then there's the pain of birth. And then there's the process of growth. And I'm, I'm just saying to win the test of time sometimes means, yeah, I'm getting up every day, reading my Bible, having a prayer time, worshiping God, or at least several times in a week. But I'm not, I'm not pushing any doors open. I'm not forcing the issue anywhere. Noah had to prepare the ark for 50 years before the rains came. Abraham and Sarah had to wait 25 years for their promised son, and they didn't even start that young. Joseph had to wait 14 years in prison for a crime he did not commit until God fulfilled the word, the promise of his leadership. David had to wait 15 years between the time when he was called out of the field, chosen, anointed as king over Israel, and but when he would till he was finally realized by the nation as a king, 15 years. Paul had had who was, you know, aggressive and active and trying to persecute the church. He from that time of him having his encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus, he prepared 15 years between his calling from God and his first missionary journey. And then, he, then there was another five years until he wrote his first New Testament letter. I'm just saying to you, you got to submit to the Lordship of Christ in the timetable of purpose. Amen.
If you're going to win the test of time, thank you for three of you that are clapping your hands about that because none of us wants to wait. We, we just want to throw it in the microwave and get it in a minute, right? And the flesh usually wants to run ahead and let's make this thing happen, but you, you can't pull on the leaves and make the tree grow. You, you, you can't make that baby come out any faster. All right, fourth idea I want to talk about, and then I'm going to close, uh, is this idea, you have to discern your season. Discern your season. We're talking about how to win the test of time. That passage in Ephesians 5 says to understand what the will of the Lord is. In other words, understand the season of time that we live in to understand your season. Life is full of cycles and seasons, right? We, we make a mistake when we try to make every season the same. Uh, I personally am not a fan of the season we're moving into weather-wise. Anybody with me just don't like the cold weather? Come on, somebody. Yeah. Uh, and we make a mistake, listen, when we try to make every season the same. Summers and winters are a part of every life. Life is not a perpetual summer. Thank God life is not a perpetual winter. And in the big picture of walking out our purpose in God, there has to be a level of discernment about what season am I in? We're, we're spending our time on our purpose, but we got to discern. The best use of our time comes when we're cooperating with God in the season he has us in. Now listen, because I think, I still think we're in a between season, if you will, between COVID and things that were developing before COVID that got accelerated by COVID. And then we've moved into, I know God has incredible things in his heart. God is not bothered by COVID. God is not bothered by um, social media. God is not bothered by who's in office or not. I said, God is not bothered by who's in office or not. He can pour out his spirit anytime he wants to. He can do whatever he wants to do when he wants to do it. So, so just listen with the right kind of listening for a few moments because I just think this whole discern your season is a pretty valuable thing if you're going to win the test of time. You got to learn how to discern the season that God has us in corporately, but also the season you're in. And the truth is, some people want it to be a different season than now. That's easy to, to do. That's easy to move into where you are, you're looking like, man, I wish things were like they were back then. 
Anybody ever said that to themselves? Come on. Nobody's going to be mad at you. We've all said it. I want it to be like it was back then. Or we are living in this perpetual when this happens. So when I get married or when I get the job or when my bank account reaches a certain amount or when this, when that goes on, when that happens, then I can finally be content or uh, at peace with myself. And I, I just, I just want to pull us into this discerning our season, that we got to learn to discern the season we're in now, focus on what God is doing now, rather than staying focused on what he isn't doing now. And I understand, I understand the value of a vision, God, I'm believing you for this. I, I get that, I understand that. But I'm just saying to you, better to stay fo- focused on now than to stay focused on the past. Can you hear what I'm saying? Or focused on the future because there's a grace from God for the season you are in right now. Hebrews 4, verse 16 says there, let us therefore draw near with with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and we may find grace to help, help, (laughs) help me in time of need. And that, that phrase could be translated to find grace to help in your strategic season. So here you are, a mom with a two-year-old. Grace to you. There is a grace, right? Maybe you're the parent of a teenager. Oof, you need some grace for sure. But there is grace for that season. Right? But you're, in, you're a business person and things are going or not going the way you want. There's grace for this season of your work world. Luke 12, verse 54, Jesus is talking about us being aware and analyzing the time we live in. He was saying to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the West, immediately you say, a shower is coming, and so it turns out. When you see a south wind blowing, you say it's going to be a hot day. It turns out that way. You hypocrites, you know how to analyze the appearance of the earth and the sky. Why do you not analyze this present time? Why do you not even on your own initiative judge what is right? Jesus is saying... Hey, listen, you can use all these indicators to figure out what's going on, but you you and I all need to analyze our present time. I'm running out of time, but I want, I want to really make this point because some people are out of sync with their now season. Some of us are carrying around attitudes and habits and self-portraits, self-image 
that belong to a whole other season of life. You're not a 12-year-old anymore. Quit seeing yourself that way. You're not 18 anymore. You're not a dependent victim anymore. You're not the new kid on the block anymore. You're, you're not stuck at the old job anymore. I think, I think people get out of sync with their season and they keep letting the pain of the past determine decisions of the present. But maybe you're here today and you have in fact messed up in a former season. That would pretty much be all of us. But that's not who you are anymore. I said, that's not who you are anymore. And you gotta, you gotta get in sync. Don't be in sync with that. Be in sync with who you are in Christ now. And quit, quit beating yourself up. <laughs> Receive some forgiveness. Receive a fresh start. You're saved now, right? You've been purchased by Jesus for a purpose. You're empowered to be able to make changes. You're empowered to be the change. Come on, you used to live a little small, selfish life, but now maybe you're starting to see just the glimmer of the potential to live a large, impacting life, right? Stop, stop ordering your days out of thoughts and mindsets and attitudes that belong to another season, that belong to another place. You know, maybe yeah, the truth is all of us at times find ourselves trying to appease people who are not even in our life anymore. Let them go. You know, I remember when we first started the church and uh, I, we were just, I had to carry the sound system in my little car set up the sound system, run the sound system, tear down the sound system, put it back in my car, lead the worship with Suzette standing next to me. Really, she was leading the worship. I was just standing next to her. Preach the messages, make the deposits, pay the bills, keep the books, call the visitors. It was a season. And that if, if, if I continue to live like that now, it would create such a bottleneck in the life of our church. If I kept imposing those attitudes, those habits, that schedule, the way people were, I will miss the grace of God for this season. To win the test of time, you gotta be able to discern your season. We're gonna to pray together. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Come on, to win the test of time, you gotta understand the value of time. You gotta establish the compass, those Kairos moments before you set the clock. You gotta wait on the Lord's timing. You gotta discern your season. Father, all of us are between where we used to be and where we're going. And we're grateful for everything that you have done and we're grateful for everything that you have planned. But I just know there is a grace 
for today. I know there is a, a strength for today. And I'm praying for every person in this room that there is a realization that you are with us, you are for us, you are helping us today with all the things we are facing today. With your head bowed, your eyes closed, I just gotta take a minute. We're not gonna be hardly any longer, but I just wanna do something that's so important. Maybe you've never surrendered to Jesus in a real and a meaningful way. I'd love to pray with you. Let's start that journey. Maybe you could look back on a time where you would say, man, I used to be closer to the Lord than I am today. I've let things slip or I've made bad decisions or whatever the reason, but you know it's just time for you to come back home. Or maybe you just don't feel confident about where you really stand with God. If any of that speaks to your heart and you say, hey, Pastor, just pray with me. I, I really want to move toward Jesus. I want, I want to open my life to Jesus. First time, refresh, make sure, just pray with me. Would you lift your hand right now and say, that's me. Would you pray with me all over the room? God bless you over here. Come on, anybody else that just in a moment wants to say yes, just wants to open your heart to Jesus and what he has for you. Anybody else? Amen, thank you. Hey, let's all pray this prayer together. Let's all say, Lord Jesus, I open my life to your love, to your Lordship. I need you. I want you in my life as my Lord. I know I've sinned. I have messed up. I'm coming to the cross where you've paid the price for my forgiveness. Thank you for a fresh start and a new beginning. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord.